Hello and welcome to Unproduced and Unadapted. Have you ever watched a movie and thought, I wish that character got more screen time? Or maybe that character's backstory is way more interesting than our heroes? Or even, my god, they didn't include my favourite character from the book. Well, you've come to the right place. We're here to talk about the sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations they should have made. We're talking sidekicks tragically overlooked, villains done wrong, background characters that stole the show, and characters missing from adaptations. Each episode, we'll discuss a different movie and character or set of characters and explain why we think they should be the star of their own show. We also discuss all those books that haven't been adapted and all those movies that set up the sequel and then we never got it. We talk potential storylines, dream casting, and pitch our own missing movie, TV show, or comic. This goes without saying, given we're talking about movies, but just in case. Spoilers from the outset for this and every episode. On this episode, we will be talking about Hackers, the much-overlooked mid-90s classic. I think it's a classic anyway. This tragically ignored movie gets a bad rap from some, probably those who haven't seen it, but it has everything you need. It has a love story, it has wild secondary characters, it has a child genius and an evil bad guy, and it has their good guys defeating their bad guys in the end. I did warn you about those spoilers. So, sit back and enjoy my ramblings about hackers. Okay, let's do a quick rundown of the basics for the movie. It was released in 1996 and directed by Ian Softley, who previously directed Backbeat, a fairly good movie about the early days of the Beatles, and went on to direct The Skeleton Key, K-Pax and Inkheart, which are all... fine? It was written by Raphael Moreau, who has actually only written Hackers and then a late 90s sequel to Carrie. His IMDb profile says he wrote a draft for Basic Instinct 2, but it was never used. The main cast is Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie, Jesse Bradford, Matthew Lillard, Lawrence Mason and Renoli Santiago, Fisher Stevens, Lorraine Bracco and Wendell Pierce, and then the two we'll be focusing on today, Darren Lee and Peter Kim. That's a pretty stellar cast. That would be a good cast now. The cinematographer was Andres Sekula, who also worked on American Psycho, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, so a pretty good credit list there. The film had a budget of $20 million, but only made $7.5 million at the box office. A few movies came out at the same time that probably stole audiences' attention, including The Usual Suspects, which I remember being quite a big deal, Seven, Devil in the Blue Dress, The Bridges of Madison County, and Screamers. That's quite a lot of competition, so I can see why it struggled a bit at the box office. A quick aside, I'm going to be throwing a lot of names at you on every episode. If you check the episode notes out for this and every episode of Unproduced and Unadapted, there will always be a link to a full episode transcript. And there you'll find links to IMDb profiles and the like for every actor, director, and every film and TV show I mention, so you can check them all out and see what you think of my suggestions. So what's Hackers all about? Well, the official plot goes like this. A young boy is arrested by the Secret Service for writing a computer virus and is banned from using a computer until his 18th birthday. Years later, he and his newfound friends discover a plot to unleash a dangerous computer virus, but they must use their computer skills to find the evidence while being pursued by the Secret Service and the evil computer genius behind the virus. That 
evil computer genius is the movie's somewhat cartoonish villain Eugene the Plague Belford, played by the excellent Fisher Stevens, who writes a program that embezzles small amounts of money from the company he works for, thus amassing millions of dollars over time in a secret bank account. He tries to distract from his crime by framing our young hackers with a computer virus that he has set up to capsize an oil tanker. Interestingly, this embezzlement by increment plot is the same thing that Richard Pryor's character does in Superman 3. So let's get one thing out of the way. I love this movie. I really do. I've seen it about a dozen times. I was 10 or 11 when I first watched Hackers. I seem to remember my older sister telling me about it after she'd gone to the cinema to see it, I think. And I was so jealous. But I knew a few things about the internet and I knew how to download movies. Thank you, LimeWire and Kazar. So I got myself a copy of this movie after maybe 48 hours of downloading it on a 56 kilobit dial-up internet connection. And after watching it, I became obsessed with the hacker culture it portrayed. I got some rollerblades and I probably wore terrible clothes. I listened to too much Prodigy and got really into technology. All of those things have kind of stuck with me. Well, maybe not the rollerblades, sadly. Okay, anyway, back to the movie. At the time, 1995, this movie had a virtually unknown cast. This was both Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller's first major film. He had done all of the classic British TV shows, and she had mostly done music videos. Fisher Stevens was probably most well-known for Short Circuit, and of course Lorraine Bracco had done Goodfellas a few years earlier. The part of Kate Acid Burn Libby was originally offered to Catherine Heigl, but due to prior commitments to Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, the awful 1995 sequel to the not-terrible original Under Siege movie, she had to turn hackers down. I feel that was a mistake on her part, but who knows. Apparently Hilary Swank, Heather Graham and Liv Tyler also auditioned for the role. We're here to talk about the underground talk show personalities in Hackers, Razor, played by Darren Lee, and Blade, played by Peter Kim. This flamboyant duo who run an unlicensed hacker TV show, advertise Jolt Cola, and live at the back of a nightclub are only in a few scenes, but they stuck with me over the years. Not least because they're the ones who ultimately help save the day by uniting hackers from around the world, but because this makeup-wearing larger-than-life pair are clearly at the top of their hacker game. As the other characters say, they're elite. So how did they become elite? There's a story there. There's a missing movie there. Razor and Blade are played by Darren Lee and Peter Kim, the latter having more acting credits than the former and having minor roles in shows like Sex and the City, Chicago Med and Law and Order. After Hackers, Lee started doing Broadway work, starring in the movie and Broadway versions of Chicago and a whole host of other productions. Kim has been working steadily since Hackers, which looks like it was his first official acting credit, and you've probably seen him in something. We don't get a lot of Razor and Blade in the movie. I think they only have a few minutes of screen time in total, and most of that is dominated by their looks their geisha-style makeup, their leopard print suits and whatnot. But still, they are pivotal to this movie. As with pretty much all the characters we'll discuss on the Missing Movie podcast, we get just a little bit of info on their characters and we end up with more questions than answers. We want to know more. We don't even know their real names. How did Razor and Blade become elite? Is their makeup just a choice or a way to look cool? Or is it a way to hide their identities? They seem to be quite professional hackers with a wide network and extensive resources, so how did they get to that level? 
Razor and Blade seem to inhabit this cyberpunk club kid style world where it's perfectly acceptable to wear what you want and just be you. That's kind of the theme throughout this entire movie. Just be you and come together to do good. I absolutely love that. On reflection, the whole movie was far more progressive than I would have expected for a mid-90s film. Characters seem fairly fluid. Both our main stars have gender-swapped dreams, for example. Yes, Angelina Jolie is Johnny Lee Miller's love interest, so not that progressive, but she's without doubt skilled and knows her shit. She was the female hacker before Lisbeth Salander. The club Razor and Blade seem to live in is a bit more 90s grunge than the clubs in The Matrix, which were definitely more leather and BDSM, but it's the same kind of feeling, and I would be shocked if the Wachowskis hadn't seen this movie. The costumes in this movie are ridiculous. Not as ridiculous as in The Matrix, but they're pretty ridiculous. I remember thinking they were crazy, but crazy cool at the time, and, honestly, I could still see people wearing them today. The main characters look like they would fall into an urban outfitter somewhere and just grabbed a random selection of items, but it works. Dade, played by Johnny Lee Miller, wears a pair of black jeans, massive Doc Martens, and then a little cut-off-above-the-belly-button red t-shirt and nylon thigh strap thing one day to go to school. It's crazy. Kate, Angelina Jolie, is definitely the coolest. She rocks a pixie-cut hairstyle, has loads of jewellery, and wears biker gear. At one point, I think she's wearing a wetsuit tucked into some jeans. It's bonkers. There are hints of fetish gear and cross-dressing throughout many of the costumes, which is kind of cool, and again, quite progressive given the time the movie was made. Having said all of that, the aesthetics of the entire movie are fairly grounded given the time and the setting. Yes, it's neon and every set is packed to the rafters with stuff, every surface has a poster or a street sign attached to it, but it does all look right. It's all a bit 90s rave culture and that fits with the soundtrack, which we'll talk about a bit later. It's kind of a mashup of every cultural reference at the time. Rave, grunge, techno, console wars, it's everything just mashed together. This is particularly evident at Cyberdelia, the hacker sanctum in New York City. This hacker hangout is full of things that teenagers probably would have had in their bedrooms at the time, and the place just works. It feels like where the cool kids would hang out. (laughs) Fun fact, Cyberdelia was actually filmed in an old swimming pool in, in a town just outside London, not in New York. In this world, the computer nerds are cool. Yes, they're outsiders, but they're still seen as cool. They're confident in their abilities. And I think this movie did a lot for making computer nerds seem cooler than they actually are, and probably helped define what it is to be a hacker, even to today. And also, just to go back to Cyberdelia, I always wanted that giant wipeout game that they play. Man, I really want that. So we have to talk about the rollerblading in this movie. You can't talk about hackers and not talk about the rollerblading. I'm pretty sure there's more rollerblading in this movie than any other movie. Well, maybe not the Mighty Ducks or Rollerball, that ridiculous John McTeenan remake with LL Cool J anyway, but there's a lot of rollerblading in this movie, and I am here for it. I love it. The hacking scenes in this movie are still great. They may not be technically accurate, hardly any such scenes in movies are, but I love the look they went for. Instead of just screens of green code on black, which admittedly we do get now and then, we get hyper-stylized animated scenes, which I think are great. And they also take the hacking into a computer, quite literal, and we see inside the computer network. The camera flies through what looks like a futuristic cityscape, 
where the ground is a microchip and the buildings are computer files. There are neon lights zooming around as, I guess, data zips around. It's all quite cool and I think it all still stands up today and it definitely inspired a lot of other movies and TV shows that followed. Black Hat, the slightly disappointing 2015 Michael Mann film starring Thor, does a similar thing, but it's more muted, more subtle. I think Mann went for total realism and it came off as just quite dull and weirdly grey and sadly the VFX don't really hold up. They have that kind of plasticky look. Interestingly, to create the visuals of cyberspace, Softly, the director didn't opt to use CGI, which was quite primitive at the time, and instead went old school. They created miniatures and models and used traditional optical animation. They used motion control cameras to create the flying motion, and it really works. I think this was an excellent decision. Given the state of CGI at the time and the budget this movie had, I think if they'd used CGI for the scenes, it would have really dated it horribly. I'm looking at you, lawnmower man. Also, just as an aside, I'm pretty sure God, sex, love and secret were never commonly used passwords. I bloody hope not. I know we're all forced to use 28 character passwords with special characters and fingerprints and the like now, but sex wasn't a valid passport, was it? I briefly mentioned this earlier, but the soundtrack for this movie is great. I still listen to it to this day. It's my getting work done playlist. You have Voodoo People by The Prodigy, Open Up by Leftfield, and Heaven Knows by The Squeeze, which plays the movie out. It's all great. I thoroughly recommend you check it out on Spotify or elsewhere, and there are actually three volumes of the soundtrack, and a special 25th anniversary edition came out just a few years ago. Honestly, how this movie wasn't a bigger hit at the time astounds me. Reflecting on it now, it really does feel like it represented the mid-90s quite well. Okay, on to our potential sequel, prequel, or spin-off ideas. What would we like to see? Who would we recast? Who do we want to direct and write? And are we talking about a movie, TV show, comic book, anime? So I appreciate this is not going to get made now. But what I wanted when I first watched this movie, and what I wish had existed, is a spin-off movie. Something focused on Razor and Blade that shows us more of their world. Are they regular Joes during the day? Then on a night, the makeup goes on and they party and hold hacker events. Part of me likes that idea. We see them living this double life. They're the IT guys in a bank or something, wearing boring suits and going to meetings and resetting passwords. But on a night, they get together and they rule their cyber world. Or maybe that's how it started out. Maybe they did that for a while and then eventually hacking and Jolt Cola sponsorship paid well enough for them to go full time. I'm picturing something like The Matrix, where Thomas Anderson, Keanu, is at work and it's clearly very dull and he isn't maximising his potential. Then he goes home and becomes Neo, he becomes the elite hacker. Maybe we throw in a bit of The Net, the slightly more successful hacker movie that came out in 1995-96. In that, we have Sandra Bullock playing Angela, who is a computer analyst who gets caught up in a big Washington DC conspiracy. She's not living two lives, but her skills get her into trouble, and then her elite hacker skills get her out. We could get into the realm of Swordfish, the 2001 Hugh Jackman and John Travolta hacker movie, but that, I feel, is too far. I don't picture this as action, I picture something more grounded, maybe something more like Mr. Robot, or maybe Halt and Catch Fire. 
I say grounded like Mr. Robot, but that show did become very complex and involved global conspiracies and the like. But its style and the actions of Rami Malek's Elliot Alderson always felt realistic. Actually, White Rose, played by B.D. Wong in Mr. Robot, may actually be something of a reference to Razor and Blade, though I couldn't find any confirmation of that, and I may just be overthinking it a bit. And Halt and Catch Fire is tech-related, but it is far from hackers in style and tone. It's just, I can see a Razor and Blade-focused spin-off movie, or maybe a TV show, having that tone if it were made in our current streaming age. It would likely be a lot more toned down in style so that our main characters really stand out and shine when they turn into their alter egos. That assumes Razor and Blade are their alter egos. Perhaps that's not how they see themselves. Like Halt and Catch Fire, I could see a Razor and Blade TV show really focusing on the characters and their relationships. So maybe we take elements from all of the above. Their character working the dead-end job, they stumble upon something they shouldn't. That feels a little prosaic though. It's been done a number of times. Sneakers, a hacker-related movie which came out a few years before Hackers and stars Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier, features a fair bit of hacking, but it focuses heavily on social engineering and penetration testing, which we see a bit of in Hackers. Maybe this is what our Razor and Blade spin-off focuses on. We see our duo adapting and blending in to gain access to offices or to obtain info for the hacks. I think that could be really interesting. We could see a lot of different scenarios. We've seen touches of that in Mr. Robot, but I would happily watch more. We know very little about Razor and Blade, so this is just my version of their history for our proposed spin-off. Let's say the two have grown up together in New York. From a young age, they've been obsessed with computers. They have a natural rebellious side, though, and they use their computer skills to better their lives through school and college. Maybe changing grades, selling access to tests. Maybe they get caught and they get chucked out of college. And that's how they end up in dead-end IT jobs. They're the only jobs they could get. Our duo spend their days in offices doing IT work way below their skill level, but it's simply to pay their bills and support their secondary hacker lives. Perhaps their makeup and the dramatic style is to cover up their identities and help separate their work and hacker lives. But what turns them into Razor and Blade that we know from hackers? I think the two would eventually end up spending more time in their hacker lives than their corporate lives. Maybe it gets harder to separate the two. Like in Fight Club, where the narrator, Edward Norton, gets into problems at work because of his extracurricular activities. To put it mildly. But, you know, with far less violence in this. So who would we cast? Well, obviously, if this was made back in the 90s, then I'd cast Lee and Kim again. But if we were making this spin-off now, I think I'd cast Charles Melton or Reggie from Riverdale and a few episodes of American Horror Story and Manny Jacinto who played Jason in The Good Place and more recently was in Nine Perfect Strangers, I Want You Back and the Top Gun sequel. I think they'd both be great. Manny Jacinto may be mostly known for being the goofy idiot in The Good Place but the guy can definitely do drama. I think they'd both be great in those roles. Plus, I think they'd look great in the razor and blade makeup and animal print outfits. Or maybe we go for Harry Shum Jr. from Glee and the Mortal Instruments TV show, and Henry Golding from Snake Eyes and Last Christmas. Simu Lu from Shang-Chi could be a bit fun, but not really what I'm picturing. And he's probably too old for the role now, but I love Daniel Day Kim from Lost and Hawaii Five-O. I think he would have been great back in the day. Would we recast anyone else? 
What about Fisher Stevens' character, Eugene the Plague Belford? Maybe Razor and Blade have a few run-ins with him as the three of them are becoming the elite hackers that we know. Maybe he becomes the series' big bad. That is why Razor and Blade unite hackers from around the world in the movie. They have history with the Plague, and they want to get rid of him once and for all. So who could be our younger Eugene Belford? My first thought was Ben Whishaw, probably because of his role as Q in the recent Bond movies. He has the right hair, but I think he's too British. I'm picturing the character as more nerdy than cool at this stage though. He's not quite become the character we know as the Plague, but as the character develops we see hints of him becoming the more self-centred, selfish, over-the-top, money-focused hacker we know. Caleb Landry-Jones could be good. He does crazy, dishevelled looking quite well. Not exactly the look I'm thinking of though. Elliot Fletcher from the short-lived Why the Last Man and the US version of Shameless though. I think he could be good in this role. Maybe give him longer hair. Yeah, yeah. I think we have our young Fisher Stevens with Elliot Fletcher. On the directing and writing side, I think it's a no-brainer to say Sam Eshmael, the creator, writer, director of Mr. Robot. But I'm also a massive fan of Alex Garland. He wrote and directed Annihilation, Devs, and Ex Machina, and he wrote Dread, 28 Days Later, and The Beach. But, actually, I don't know if Alex Garland is right for what I'm picturing. His work is quite... cerebral. It's often dark and haunting and always mysterious but they're always well-written and almost hypnotic to watch, so I'm sure it would end up being a wonderful movie or TV show if he made it, but just not really what I have in mind. The Safdie brothers, who made Good Time with Robert Pattinson, also known as Rob Battenbat, and Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler, which I loved. It's so intense. In fact, both movies are non-stop. It would have a quite different feel from what I've pitched so far but it could really work and could be great fun. This is actually quite hard. Duncan Jones directed Source Code, Mute and Moon. I really like all three of those. They all have a techno vibe to them. I'm a big fan of his, so I would definitely watch it if he made it. But I don't know if that's the vibe I'm thinking of for this either. Hmm. I think we're getting away from what I really want. We're getting too action-y here. I think I want more grounded. I realise, as I've been pitching a Razor and Blade spin-off movie, but then referencing TV shows like Mr. Robot and Halt and Catch Fire a lot, I think that is the kind of world I want for this spin-off. So what about a TV show? A TV show would allow us to see the duo slowly develop into the Razor and Blade we know, perhaps from the humble IT guy, just trying to get by and doing small-scale hacks on nights, to the elite hackers and style icons in this hacker's universe. I think a TV show would be a great idea and give us a good amount of time to explore these characters and this world, and I'd still stick with Charles Melton and Manny Jacinto. This is a bit left field compared to big names like Sam Eshmael, Alex Garland, but I've been watching Strike, or CB Strike if you're in the US. The show follows Cormoran Strike, a war vet turned private detective who solves brutal murders in London. The show is based on the novels by Robert Galbraith, actually J.K. Rowling. But the show is written by Tom Edge, who has written episodes of The Crown, Lovesick, Vigil, and You Don't Know Me. And most episodes have been directed by Susan Tully, 
she has been involved in pretty much every classic British show. Line of Duty, Silent Witness, EastEnders, The Bill, and was even in Grange Hill when she was a kid. I think she could easily switch her down-to-earth British style to a US focus, and it would work quite well if we went down the Mr. Robot and Halt and Catch Fire style for our own show. Sergio Mimikagesen has directed episodes of For All Mankind, Medici, Battlestar Galacta and The Terror, and a load of other really good shows. It shows quite a range, so I reckon he could definitely do this. Or maybe Breck Eisner. He's directed a bunch of episodes of The Expanse, and although that's sci-fi, the techno-thriller feel is there. Plus, he directed The Crazies, a great little zombie movie starring Timothy Oliphant that I absolutely love and Sahara, based on the Clive Cussler books, which we may also have to do an episode on in the future. But, what if we wanted to go a slightly different route? We don't want to remake Mr. Robot and Halt and Catch Fire, and the style of Hackers demands colour and bright modern graphics, and crazy over-the-top characters. Yes, I picture the show starting with maybe a kind of grey tone as our duo work the dead-end IT jobs, but I think they develop into a brighter, more colourful spectrum as Razor and Blade progressively become the characters we know. More makeup, crazy outfits. We watch them becoming bolder and more flamboyant and, of course, becoming elite. What about Brian Fuller? He has written and created some great TV shows. And they're such a mix. Pushing Daisies, Heroes, Hannibal, American Gods and various Star Trek shows. Most recently, Star Trek Discovery. I really think his mix of fantastical, stylistic, bold and often beautiful would work really well for a Razor and Blade TV show. We could go a slight surrealist way, lean more towards Mr. Robot in terms of hacker realism, but throw in shades of craziness and whim and colour, like in Pushing Daisies. That sounds bonkers as I say it, but it would be like nothing else on TV, and would be an excellent challenge and could really pay off. Finally, this is just a slight add-on. I've become quite a big comic book fan, and I think this Razor and Blade slash Hacker's World would make a great comic book. I know most people think of comic books and think of superheroes, but there are so many more comics out there focusing on real people in realistic worlds. Obviously, there's almost always a fantastical element injected into the storyline to be the hook, be it a character actually being a murderer or a god or something, but that's not always the case. For example, Stumptown by Greg Rucker focuses on a PI in Portland. Getting It Together by Cena Grace, Omar Spar and Jenny Fine focuses on a group of 20-somethings just having relationship issues. And Monolith by Roberto Rencioni is about a woman trying to get some time away from her smothering husband and getting into some major problems thanks to his fancy new car that she borrowed. You can really adapt anything to be in a good comic book if you've just got the good writers and artists. The right artist and writers, and I think we could get ourselves an excellent Razor and Blade spin-off comic series. Get a Donny Cates or a Tom King or a James Tinian to write and Greg Smallwood or Fiona Staples or Tula Latte to do the artwork and we've got gold. And expand the universe. I'd love that. Something that runs in parallel with the TV show and just expands the world and gives us a little bit more, maybe in terms of side characters, perhaps. Okay, I think that is it for this episode. I think we've done quite well and we've pitched a Razor and Blade spin-off idea that really could be a good movie. Though, 
I'm now leaning towards it being a TV show starring Charles Melton and Manny Jacinto and maybe written by Brian Fuller and directed by Susan Tully and or Breck Eisner. We've also maybe hit upon a comic book idea that really could expand this hacker's world a bit. There's a lot to explore, so let's do it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Unproduced and Unadapted and that it's got you thinking about all of those potential sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations. Our next episode will focus on the Marauders from Harry Potter. Messrs Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs, who created the Marauders map, were in the original Order of the Phoenix and generally played very important parts within the Harry Potter world. And after that, I have quite a few episodes lined up, so hit subscribe and join me for episodes on Cabin in the Woods, Hunger Games, Jurassic Park, Tremors, The Fifth Element, Underworld, Speed and The Little Mermaid. We'll have Halloween specials, Christmas specials, comic book specials, and many, many more. There'll be something there for everyone. In fact, there'll be a teaser for some upcoming episodes on Twitter soon, so do look out for that. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, send them my way on Twitter at unproducedunadapted, or email me at unproducedunadapted at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.